It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 6, 2011. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study, as always, on Thursday night. It is good to join you, and it is good to join you on the other end. We appreciate you being a part of the program tonight, whether you're listening to us live or you're listening to us in our archived recording. We welcome your comments at 877-381-4567. We welcome your emails, questions at collegeview.com. And we welcome your comments in the chat room to the right of the the, the viewing window there. Join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. Well, what about the topic tonight? What do we got? Seems like recently, Jacob, we've talked about things that have the potential to affect us all, and I think this is another one of those topics tonight. Uh, It has to do with prosperity and adversity, (laughs) how to deal with prosperity and how to deal with adversity. you you got a lot of nerve. Well, you think about that, that's got to cover everybody, right? Oh, well, I guess. Unless there's somebody who's just absolutely exactly in the middle. Uh, All are dealing with varying degrees of prosperity and or adversity, and so we need to know what the Bible would tell us to do concerning how we should deal with with those things in our lives. All right. Uh, we look forward to that discussion. I was going to say, you got a lot of uh, nerve talking about prosperity uh, at this time of economic crisis, but, you know, still think we got a lot of prosperity. Yeah, I saw some t- statistics recently that suggested that even though we're in hard times in the United States, that our uh, uh, gross income, if you, if you, what we've all made in the United States compared to what other countries have made, we're still like twice as much as anybody else anywhere. Last time I was in a restaurant, it was still full. Yeah, that's right. That's sort of like Yogi Berra said about the restaurant. He said, nobody goes there anymore. It's always too crowded. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way it is because people, people still do have a lot of disposable income. And we, we are dealing with a, a, a time of prosperity. Even though economic times are hard, uh, we still live in abundance and, and uh, really just – more so than anybody who's ever lived in the history of time. Not too many people know what a hard time is. That's right. I mean, well, we don't want to diminish that. I mean, I mean there are people going through hard times now, but it's it's not as it's in not, our in our it's place. not a widespread. But there are places in the world where there's extreme that's true. adversity. And maybe you're, maybe we've got listeners who where the, the, the adversity that's is. That's right. You know. we, and we don't want to diminish the fact that certainly people are dealing with hard times, even right here in our country as well. Yeah. But overall, we we are, lived in a blessed time, and so. What we're saying is that there's some dangers associated with being prosperous, right. and the Bible addresses those. We want to talk about those. To, the, the, to our update list earlier today, we sent out four questions dealing with this topic. Number one, what are the spiritual dangers associated with prosperity? So we need to be aware of what kind of things could get us in trouble in regards to the prosperity that we enjoy. Spiritual dangers. Spiritual dangers of prosperity. The follow-up to that is, uh, what instructions does the Bible provide for dealing properly with our prosperity? In other words, okay. if we are prosperous, what does the Bible tell us to do when we are prosperous? Okay. okay. Then number three, two, so one and two go together, three and four go together. Number three, what spiritual dangers are, are associated with adversity? In other words, if you are in very bad times, that has a potential to affect your spiritual life as well. So what would be the dangers associated with adversity? And then the follow-up to that is, what instructions does the Bible provide for dealing properly with adversity? So, really, four questions, but really two topics. Uh, first, prosperity. What are its dangers, and how are we to handle it? And number uh, the, the, the second topic is going to be, what are the dangers of adversity, and how does the Bible tell us to handle it? All right. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. You know, I, I was doing a quick search here. Maybe we ought to clarify things, you know, a little bit, uh, to, so we get ourselves in the right category. So do I need to be worried about the spiritual dangers associated with prosperity or the spiritual dangers associated with adversity, if, you know, if I, in my shoes tonight? Or maybe our, we should help our listeners with that. The you, 
it, you'd be better off living in some other countries per capita income. As it no, but there are some companies, countries oh. that have higher per capita. Where does the United States rank on that? Well, you know, it, it varies by who you look at, but we're down around number seven or number eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Liechtenstein is number two. Luxembourg is number three. Uh, you know, uh, wow, pretty incredible here. Uh, Qatar is uh, number one at 90,000, about 91,000 as the average per capita. Uh, the United States is number eight at 47,000. But uh, maybe you ought to go on down. You know, J- Japan is the number 24 at 34,000. Poland, 19,000. You go on down. And uh, down at the bottom of the list, maybe you think you've got it pretty bad. Uh, Congo, $335. $335 annually. Yeah, Sierra Leone. So less than making uh, living on less than a dollar a day. Sierra Leone, $825. Ethiopia, $1,009. So... Maybe we are a lot closer to that prosperity. Oh, uh, oh we you know. are. We, we are abundantly blessed. And uh, I, I've tried to make the point several times. I, I'm sure I've made it on the virtual Bible study as well that, you know, we take for granted a lot of things that we have, the, the blessings, the abundance that we enjoy. But if you take our homes, and we, I'm sure all of our listeners probably would categorize themselves as we do, that we believe that we live in modest homes, nothing excessive. But if you stop to consider it, we have things in our homes that King De- uh, King Solomon, who probably was the richest man who ever lived, we have things in our modest homes that King Solomon could never have dreamed of. Yeah. You know, uh, hot and cold running water, uh, flush toilets, uh, central heat and air conditioning, Ooh, and yeah. microwave ovens and refrigerators, and, mm. I mean, electric lights. You, you just go on and on and on. And we, th- we take these things absolutely for granted, but they... When properly measured, they spell out the fact that we are really blessed. We are live in a time of prosperity. Are you saying that your car is nicer than King Solomon's chariot? Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't trade him. <laughs> okay. Unless, uh, I don't know, I don't know, his, might, his might be overlaid with gold. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the exhaust <laughs> but, on that thing is bad. But it wouldn't ride as well as yeah. my car, I'm yeah. sure. Okay. But it, it, it may have been overlaid with gold, therefore more valuable than my car. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so anyway, we, we we do live in a prosperous time. I don't think that there's anybody who's listening who would care to debate that point with us, Jacob. I yep. mean, it, it, it's it's obvious. The problem is we don't think about it enough, and we don't uh, we're not perceptive to both the dangers it poses to us, and we're not perceptive as to how we ought to be using it in God's service. So those are the things we want to talk about concerning our prosperity tonight. All right, let us know your thoughts as we talk about. We begin with the dangers associated with prosperity again. Chances are, if you're listening to us, if you've got an Internet connection, for crying out loud, you're probably closer to the prosperity dangers that we need to be concerned about tonight. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, uh, what are some dangers? Um, well, uh, let's start. we got a couple of emails. We didn't get a lot of the email feedback yet, and we, we're, the, the chat room is still pretty quiet. We'll get those guys going here in a minute. Uh, one of the thing, one of the dangers is, and, and David in the chat room mentions pride. If enough people tell you how good you are, you begin to believe it. Pride is a problem. You know so, that's uh, that is the first thing uh, on our list here tonight. On the, on on our outline list that you compiled, Jacob, uh, you listed pride as a great danger. Go David, ahead. David's got good timing. Yeah, you know, God warned uh, the Israelites they were getting ready to go into the land, the Promised Land, and uh, things were going to be pretty nice. It was going to get pretty fat in the in the Promised Land for the children of Israel. You know, they go from being captives in Egypt to wandering in the wilderness uh, to the promised land. Boy, that's a big change of uh, living conditions. And uh, he warned them that they were going to get lifted up with pride. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning verse 7. Deuteronomy 8, beginning verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and water and fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and olive and honey. Sounds like America to me. A land where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, that thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and have built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thy ha- thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of a rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee. 
and that he might prove thee to do thee good at the la- thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant as he swear unto thy fathers as it is. All right. So you know, he was telling them, you got to, and you're going to forget. The danger is either. that you're going to think you did it all yourself, and you're going to forget it was God who blessed you with these things. And certainly that's a real danger for us. So, David, you're right in the chat room. That That is, uh, uh, God saw it as a great danger for the Israelites. If it was a danger for them, it's surely a danger for us. And we need to be on guard and aware of the fact that we don't get puffed up with pride, imagining that all that we've accomplished is by the power of our own hand and that we're independent of God and don't need him anymore. So that's a real danger. For you, sure. you think about, and we take a lot of things for granted, the ability to, well, the job that we have, for one. I mean, a lot of people don't have decent jobs, but just the job that we have... But more than that, the ability to get out of bed in the morning and go to that job. Good health. That's a blessing from God. I mean, you're not responsible for that necessarily. God has blessed you with so many things that we take for granted. Uh, but is that a problem? you think people are lifted up with pride as a result of prosperity? I think I think it's definitely a problem. How so? Uh, well, you see it in the fact that they forget God. I mean, uh, the, the pride is in, is evident in the fact that they don't feel a need to seek God. Mm-hmm. They feel self-sufficient. Uh, independent and and not depending on God for the things they give Him. So I think that's you know is manifested abundantly in our society, whereas pr- prosperity has increased, all religious activity has diminished. Mm-hmm. You see fewer and fewer people who are pursuing religion in, of any kind uh, as they uh, feel satisfied in their own accomplishments. What about the status symbols? Is that a pro- an indication of pride? Potentially, yeah. If, you know, uh, the, the look kind at of what car, I look at what I got, the kind of car I have, the kind of house I live in. If I'm viewing it from that status point, I mean, we're not saying that it's necessarily bad to have, uh, you know, but if you certain want, things. But if I'm doing it as a sign of my pride, then that is a problem. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you get in touch with us on the program tonight. Chris in Atlanta, Georgia, says uh, a big danger with prosperity is in neglecting the things of God and pursuing only materialistic pleasures. Mark eight thirty six, where Jesus warned, what would a profit man have gained the whole world and lost his soul? Yeah. He says, it seems we have, it seems the more we have, the more we want. Solomon spoke about that in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Additionally, having more tends to give opportunity for more temptations to ignore God's laws in how we are to treat others. For example, being willing to walk over someone to get that promotion or raise or stop giving, uh, and there he's ma- meaning giving uh, by way of your contributions to the church so that we can get the BMW and so forth. Mm. One of my pro- favorite Proverbs is Proverbs thirteen eight. This does not teach that being wealthy is necessarily bad, but it, follow- it does show that with prosperity, there's a propensity toward traps and pitfalls. Let me read that real quick. Uh, Proverbs 13.8 he references, which says, uh, The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. Now, I need to read that in a different version. Maybe if somebody's listening has got that in a different version. I'll pull that up for you. Proverbs 13.8. Huh? Yeah. Uh, that, that, then, then, the King James Version doesn't help me a lot. But. All right. Uh, the New King James is uh, about the same. Um well, you know, I'm not getting anything different, um, so there you go. Now, maybe a different version reads that a little differently. Okay. Um, Kevin in the chat room says, we have access to innumerable things. As you say, we really are blessed with physical blessing higher than many kings altogether. Absolutely right. David in the chat room mentions Proverbs 16.18. 16.18 says, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. And so when we get proud and lifted up, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. All right. Uh, we need to take a break, and uh, we'll get uh, uh, some advertisements in here, and then we'll take your comments. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas, is in the chat room tonight. He says we have <coughs> excuse me. He says we have access to innumerable things, as you say. We're really blessed with physical blessings higher than many kings altogether. He goes on and says, I even think about the music we have. A king may have had singers that he could call on, but we can do all that. 
with exactly the music we want played perfectly by the original artist any time, day or night. And that's just that, the music we have. Kings did have musicians that, uh, that, that, that was a, a, a luxury to have some, you know, yeah, music. Yeah, I, 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 I hadn't even thought about that. That's right. Okay. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll take uh, your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The Virtual Bible Study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible Study group every Thursday night? Here are some quotes worth pondering. Men may be measured by their reactions to life's inequities. Action and feeling go together. By regulating the action, we can directly regulate the feeling. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Am I not destroying my enemies when I make friends of them? Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. Well, welcome back to the program tonight. So we talk about the dangers and challenges of prosperity and adversity. Tonight we're dealing with the ad- prosperity. Now we'll get to the adversity on the other side and uh, of the program. And we want your comments on the phone, over email, or in the chat room tonight. We talked about the fact your pride will be lifted up, if uh, potentially be lifted up, if you are prosperous. And and we've also mentioned the idea that we stop trusting in God well, as much true. as we should. Yeah, you know, Paul uh, told Timothy in First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen: Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. They may lay hold on eternal life. There's the pride that they not be lifted up or high-minded, but he also warns them that they not trust in their riches, and we can very easily do that as well. Uh, we look at our bank accounts, we look at our 401ks or our IRAs, and we we think, well, that'll get me through the hard times. Well, aren't we trusting in our riches, our uncertain riches, rather than trusting in God? And God's promises that he'll take care of us, and uh, certainly uh, there's some danger there. All right. Um Stephen says uh, some of the greater spiritual dangers involve two things, security and sacrificial giving. First, with security, we learn that if we become very prosperous through hard work, that we tend to fully rely on ourselves. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. So we become secure in knowing that our hard work led us to a certain place, and that chokes out God due to the riches of the world. Yep. We get more stuff, which leads to more security for our stuff, yep. uh, like uh, we buy, even by insurance for our stuff. Mm-hmm. And the security factor overwhelms us, causing us to be more egotistical or prideful because of the, tr- uh, because of the trust or faith we have in the security of ourselves. So that's right in line with yep. what we've been saying. He says, secondly, suppose if we were all as rich as Bill Gates... The church could do a lot of good if billions of dollars were given to it. However, the problem here lies with sacrificial giving. The richer we become, the more difficult it is to give sacrificially. For someone such as Bill Gates to give sacrificially would be billions on top of billions. The man is working full-time at spending his money, not getting it. Mm. Uh, But if we are poor and we give to the Lord that which we could not afford, then it becomes sacrificial, and the Lord would much rather see your love demonstrated for him based upon your sacrifices. You know, that, uh, what he was saying there, I've seen statistics that even confirm that, that by percentage, those in lower income brackets give more than those in higher income brackets yeah. to charitable causes. Yeah. Uh, that, that's provable. That's, that's been well documented. And so uh, one, of the, one of the threats or spiritual dangers is because of, of what prosperity does to us, it may cause us to even neglect giving at a level that we should yeah you think about it, i hadn't thought about to you know being rich like that and how it might uh, make it hard to give you know this this is the same you know we know the lord hasn't said any kind of set percentages but let's just say you're making a million dollars a week and there are a lot of people in the world who are doing that a million dollars a week and then if you're going to give temper hundred thousand dollars you have a hundred thousand dollars a week there's not i don't know anybody's doing that Oh, I mean, you'd sort of stop and think twice about that. I yeah, think. Yeah. Be, so I hadn't thought about the sacrificial giving. Kevin in Arkansas says, I've caught myself as a small business owner thinking that my prosperity could be coming from my own hand. 
If I think that way, I will usually be presented with an opportunity to change my thinking, he says. So, yeah. And uh, uh, that's a danger for all of us. You know, I, yeah, I've, I've got uh, what I've got because I got, I, you know, I get up every day and I work hard. And it's not why I have what I have. Exactly. All right. All right. Some other things we could add. Uh, we, we have a, an increased love for the world as a result of our prosperity. The more we have, the more we want. The more good things we enjoy, the more things we wish we could enjoy. And so there's just a, a, an unquenchable craving for more things of the world. A lot of distractions. Yeah. And, and of course, we have, we've been warned about loving the world too much. First John 2.15. Uh, we've been told that we ought to uh, be content with such things as we have. And so contentment is lost and love for the world accelerates our desire for more and more things of the world. Those are real spiritual dangers for sure. And notice the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, where we see this really come to bear, how he, he began to love the world. He, his focus was turned from God, and he uh, said, Take heed, in verse 15 of Luke 12, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a life, man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He spoke a parable to them about the rich man who, who had more than he could 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 hold he was going to tear down his barns and build greater and he said uh i will say to my soul soul as much goods laid up for many years take thine ease eat drink and be merry but god said unto him thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided notice this so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward god as we get these blessings our heart and our focus gets turned away from god and that's what happened to the seed in the parable of sower that fell on the thorny ground Notice in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, He that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. These uh, weeds in our lives, which are fertilized by our prosperity, perhaps, begin to choke out the word, where we, again, don't have any time for God. No okay. focus on him. All right. Uh, got an email from a listener in Indiana who says, I've known of a few people who have been well off financially, and then as time goes on, uh, as time goes by, the income becomes less than their expenses, and they get into debt. Then the family starts to have internal problems with money concerns that run, that in turn generate turmoil and sometimes the destruction of the family. He says it's better to be happy with less than to think you'll be happier with more. Mm. And of course, that that scenario has been played out all through the centuries. I think. Yeah. Yep. Notice Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-four. Jesus said, "No man can serve two masters, for he will either love the one and hate the, or hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon." What's Mammon there? Mammon is wealth. You can't serve God and your wealth as well, and so there's some danger there. With All right. So we've cataloged several, I think, uh, true concerns that exist. For people who are prosperous. And again, as we started out the program, we said, you know, the tendency is to say, well, that's not me. I mean, there may be some people who have a lot of prosperity and it poses these risks to them. But I'm not a rich person. So therefore, I can totally disregard all of the teaching in the scripture concerning the dangers confronting the rich. But the fact of the matter is, as we've said, we are in that category and we, we should be honest in evaluating ourselves and recognizing the dangers that it poses to us. All right. We noticed that uh, the average income or the uh, in America, United States, is in the $40,000 range. Well, you say, well, maybe I'm not to that level, so I'm not rich. Well, let's look at on the world scale. There's 180 ca- countries here listed on this list on my screen. The 90th, the median there, is the country of Algeria. So I would say it's safe to assume anyone in America listening, even children working at McDonald's, are in the top half of wage earners in in the world uh, based upon, you know, looking at it on a world scale. All right. I think we've done a pretty good job of identifying some of the great dangers, and I hope that we are not just giving lip service to that, but that we honestly recognize ourselves to be among those who are thus threatened. The other part of that question was, what instructions does the Bible give us concerning dealing properly with prosperity when we have it? Mm. Uh, so what, what kind of things should we do? Uh, yeah. Chris says, uh, do not get wealth in a dishonest manner, Proverbs 13, 11. 
Help those who are less fortunate, Proverbs 22, 9, Luke 3, 11, Acts 20, 35, and many more. And by the way, I would just add to what Chris says there that the Scripture says so much about being benevolent toward those in need. And I, I find that, at least personally, I feel like we don't pursue those opportunities enough. Yep. Uh, we, we excuse ourselves by saying that there's a lot of different avenues available for people in need these days. The government provides a lot of safety net and so forth. And there's and that is true. And, and scoundrels. And we use the, the we, we also and and it, rightfully so. We have to be on guard against those who would misuse uh, benevolent assistance because you know, the scripture plainly says Second Thessalonians three ten If a man won't work, neither should he eat. So we have those kind of concerns in in place. But I do think that we can be and should be more benevolently inclined than we are. The Bible talks a lot about it. And, uh, you know, as Christians, I, I think we need to accept that challenge to look for rightful opportunities to be involved in helping those in need. That's one of the things we can do and should be doing with our prosperity. If you think you can find yourself in that prosperous category tonight, Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 48, for unto whom much is given. Of him shall much be required. Yeah, so. I, I'd be interested to hear, and if any of our people in our chat room or anybody listening wants to send in by email, if you have learned of good opportunities to use prosperity to help those who are honestly in need, uh, and, and and that is not necessarily limited. In fact, I would think there would be greater opportunities in other parts of the world than here in our own country, because here in our own country there there are a number of social safety nets in place that provide most of the need. I mean, there are some needy people who are, who are falling between the cracks, but a lot of our needy people uh, do have avenues for assistance. But there are places in the world where hunger and poverty and disease uh, are rampant. And if, if, you've, if you have learned of an opportunity to be able to contribute to some situation uh, there and you'd like to share it with our listeners, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, uh, in the chat room or by email, uh, I think we should be looking for those kinds of opportunities. There are some organizations that are worthy, uh, that use the money they get uh, appropriately. Uh, you know, one of, I think one of the concerns that we all have is that if you give money to certain organizations, they have a religious agenda, and you you don't want to contribute. You don't want to have fellowship with people that you believe are are promoting uh, right. religious error. And so you, those are some, but there are some, there there are a number of worthy organizations that do not pursue a religious agenda. They're just in the business of helping people. And and if you know of some that you feel good about, uh, let us know. Okay. All right. Um, you've got some other things there from Chris. Oh, uh, yeah. He goes on. He says, do not fall in love with the money. Always love the things of God more than the money. First Timothy 6, verse 10. Everything above can be summed up by 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Keep money in its proper perspective. And I think you read that passage earlier, Jacob. Uh, yeah, uh, instruct those yeah. who are rich in the world to uh, not put, place their trust in, in money. That's right. All right. And uh, Stephen took a pass on that one. But he did reference something in the Old Testament where they were taking up uh, – collections for the tabernacle and uh, Moses had to call them off because they were bringing too much. You remember that story? Right. And do you ask if that ever could happen in the church today? And if so, how would the church deal with it? Could it, you know, ever it could, happen? in theory, uh, if in prosperous times like this, you know, there could be more. I've never known it. I've never known it to even be close no? to happening. Maybe that's a problem. But, but uh, uh, you know, really in, in the sense that there are always those who need to be supported in the preaching of the gospel, and the gospel needs to go to so many places around the world where it's not going effectively now. It's hard for me to imagine that we could ever have too much money and have to tell people, hold back, don't give so much. I, I can't quite imagine that happening. Uh, Kevin's answered your challenge. He says uh, he's found uh, a way to, to help financially with others is by personal benevolence on a personal level and support of those preaching the gospel in other lands. You know, that's an idea. Yeah. Yeah, do, can individuals support an evangelist in foreign lands, or does it have to be a church doing that? No, I believe individuals can do that. Uh, I, don't, I, I think they're... They don't. They need to do it either individually or through the church. They don't need to set up missionary societies or organizations to, to okay. accomplish that that are not biblical, uh, that would usurp the organized activity of the church. Now, the only collectivity of Christians that does uh, evangelistic work is a local church. Okay. 
but in regards to me as an individual, I can I can use my own funds to do that, and if I find opportunity to do that, I should. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of opportunities if you just would look around. We need to take another break and get this week's bullet point. And uh, during that uh, bullet point, uh, we want you to listen to the bullet point, of course, but we'd also like for you to think about your comments on the discussion. When we get back, uh, we're just about ready to start talking about adversity. And uh, we'll look forward to your comments on that. We'll continue the discussion on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When the Apostle Paul found himself in ancient Athens, he encountered the philosophers for which that city was famous. They congregated constantly and, quote, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Acts 17, verse 21. It seems they were motivated more by curiosity than by true conviction. There are still people who love to, quote, hear some new thing. They are constantly looking for some new twist on a religious subject. Their interest is not in, quote, learning the way of God more perfectly, Acts 18.26. Rather, theirs is, quote, a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and so forth, 1 Timothy 6, verse 4. The serious student of the Bible will realize that able minds have been studying the inspired word for thousands of years. Certainly, many have reached erroneous conclusions, but faithful brethren have also discovered the great truths and fundamental essentials of his message. In the process, these sound minds have done a thorough job of exposing doctrinal error. It is difficult to imagine that there is some critical bit of information that has not yet been mined from the Scriptures. That being the case, we ought not to approach our study of the Bible with the assumption that the faithful ones who have gone before have somehow missed it. Instead, it seems reasonable to think that they've done a worthy job of discerning the truth and we should not carelessly dismiss their efforts. Of course, we must always imitate the noble Bereans in searching the scriptures to see if the things we believe are true, Acts 17, verse 11. But we must be careful not to be, quote, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4, verse 14. Those who want to hear some new thing need to realize, as we've often said, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, prosperity and adversity and the spiritual challenges and how to deal with each on the program tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, we worship on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. We encourage you, if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, to come and worship with us. If you'd like to find out more about what we believe and what we practice, visit our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you have any questions about what we believe, what we practice, give us a call or send us an email at any time. We'd love to hear from you. Well, we talked about uh, the prosperity, and uh, uh, we perhaps could go on and talk about adversity. Well, before we do, uh, a couple things in the chat room that we might mention. Um, uh, Kevin Kelly mentions microplace.com and kiva or kiva, K-I-V-A dot com. He says those are um, some among other places where you can personally help individuals even though they are not focused on spiritual needs. Lots of opportunities like that that one can use to help the less fortunate other places. So, again, if you want to check that out, Kevin suggests possibly microplace. Well, just like it sounds, microplace.com and Kiva, K-I-V-A, Kiva.com. Uh, check those out. I mentioned Doctors Without Borders. I've had some correspondence from them, and so f- to, to the best of I've been able to determine, they seem like they uh, are worthy. They're not promoting a, a religious agenda. No, I don't know about them. So that, and, and they're doing some good work in some places in Africa where well, famine is pretty intense right now. Okay, Kevin says his personal preference is to support someone directly, even when filling gas, someone's gas tank, since anything like uh, an organization would uh, have huge overhead and administrative cost. That's right, and that's right. That's one of the concerns when you're supporting an a agency or an organization. How much of the money are they using to raise more money or to pay their administrators? Um where I, and I think you're exactly right, Kevin. You know, if if somebody needs some help and I can go to the gas station and pump gas in their car, for, uh, then that's direct dollar-for-dollar dollar help. But I, I do think that it's best to give them that kind of help rather than cash because, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people who, who are seeking assistance will misuse cash if you give it to them. So if you can give them some food or some gas instead of giving them money 
that you hope they'll use to buy food or gas, but they might use it to buy something else. I think that's appropriate. And I think we need to be careful. As you have mentioned and alluded to before, though, we need to be careful that we don't allow the scammers to keep us from giving when there's a legitimate need. Exactly. And perhaps we ought to err more on the side of being snookered than we are on the other yeah, side of know, being when too we, cautious. When, when we have to answer for ourselves in judgment, uh, I would I would feel more comfortable saying, yeah, I got taken advantage of sometimes because I was trying to help people rather than to say, well, I didn't help anybody because I was afraid if I did, I'd get taken advantage of. I'd, I'd rather be on the first part of that third rather than the latter. All right, good comments tonight. We appreciate them, and we look forward to them continuing as we continue the discussion uh, you want to talk about adversity? Yeah, let's talk about adversity. Uh, and again, this maybe seems distant to us, Jacob, because we live in a prosperous land and in a prosperous time. But, you know, even at that, there are people that, that are, and, and, you know, I guess we have to be careful not to limit the idea of adversity to financial adversity. That is true. That's what you know, I was th- going to talk about that. Th- there are other kinds of adversity, you know, m- maybe uh, illness. Uh, or other kinds of problems that come into people's lives that cause them a lot of heartache and grief, and it, it, they're hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's 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 more than just financial adversity. So we don't want to limit our thinking to just say, well, that guy's got plenty of money. What's he worrying about? Yeah, yeah. He, he may have a lot of other concerns. He may have a lot of family problems. He may have a lot of health problems and, yeah. uh, and other challenges as well. Uh, so what about adversity? What are some of the dangers of adversity? Chris in Atlanta says... One danger is being covetous of other people, uh, their their wealth, their belongings. Yeah, that's he true. He references Exodus twenty seventeen. Worrying excessively about your condition is another concern. Ceasing to trust in God and His promises to take care of you, and he references Matthew six twenty five through thirty four. Notice verse thirty three says to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It does not say seek first a place to live, a good job, or a car. If our priorities in the right place, then our needs will be taken care of. I may not get everything I want, but I'm promised that I'll get everything I need. And I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good observation. And that, that, that instruction uh, is probably one of the more difficult ones to follow. We don't think about it, but uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, that if we have food and raiment with these, we shall be content. That, you know, that's, a, that's a tall bill to fill right there. Having some clothes to wear and something to eat. And I don't know many people who could accomplish that easily. Right. And we're not. I'm going to tell you, I'm not content with just food and, and, a, and one change of clothing. I'm not content with that. I'm just not going to be content with that. You know, that's our attitude. I've got to have, I got to have more than oh, that. Oh, man, I've got to have that. Yeah. yeah. And so, a, so uh, when, we, when we're in uh, what we feel is a, uh, a destitute situation, it's hard to be content. All right. So, okay. Uh, um, yeah, Stephen. Stephen, spiritual he, dangers. He says, spiritual dangers with adversity. Never again attaining true happiness. So obviously the one danger is to seek happiness elsewhere if we seem not to find it in the church and doing God's will. We turn to other places that we think will give us prosperity or happiness in this world as the dog turns to his own vomit, referencing Second Peter chapter 2. In the end, once we leave, we never attain true happiness. There will always be that void in our lives. But suppose we leave the church or never even desire to aspire towards spiritual things, even when the offer is in front of us. We live a horrible life on earth where we are so miserable, and in the end we go to hell where they'll never see anything that is good again. I cannot think of anything worse, and indeed it is a true tragedy. So uh, I, I take it, if I was to, to sort of paraphrase what Stephen's saying there, one of the dangers of adversity is that you begin to seek some relief from that in the wrong way or in, by pursuing avenues that are against the will of God. i got to have some happiness here, so maybe maybe I'll find it in a bottle. I got to have some relief here. Maybe I'll find it with uh, illegal drugs. Uh, I got to have some relief here. Maybe that means uh, leave my wife and find another woman. You know, so people will go uh, because they they feel that they they things are not good in their life. They start looking for some satisfaction in a wrong direction. And perhaps that's an indication that in the prosperous times we did trust in those riches or have our focus on those riches more than should have been yeah you know i mean if you can't in in if you're if you're putting yourself in the prosperous boat tonight and if you can't imagine 
yourself being able to survive, you just had food and clothing, then perhaps you've got your focus out of kilter here with your your riches. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Good okay. observation, Stephen. I, I would not have thought along those lines. Kevin uh, references First uh, Peter chapter four verses twelve and thirteen. Beloved, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you should, may be glad with exceeding joy. Kevin uh, summarizes. He says, "Glory and tribulation it builds character." Okay. Tribulation uh, builds character. I guess is what he's saying. Not yeah. the glory. Yeah, the Apostle Paul had that attitude concerning his thorn in the flesh. You know, he he suffered some real adversity with that thing, and he said in Second uh, Corinthians twelve verse eight, "For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me." And he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me." Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Mm. So Paul, Paul's a great example of someone dealing with adversity and, and handling it right. That's right. All right. Uh, I was thinking, too, uh, something that was said there made, reminded me of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, there's there's a tendency to say, oh, poor me, nobody has ever had it as bad as I've had it. But Paul there says, no, the things you're dealing with are common to man. It's not worse for you than anybody else. You know, the temptation probably would be uh, if you, maybe even more so if you have been prosperous and now you are in times of adversity, Become bitter about your situation and your lot in life. I think so. Bitterness is, we're warned about bitterness in the scriptures. Oh, lots of places. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So that's something you've got to be on guard against. And maybe we don't spend enough time focusing to make sure that we don't have any bitterness in our hearts. Hebrews twelve fifteen. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby, thereby many be defiled. So bitterness is, is a potential great problem, and adversity can cause us to develop bitterness. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Or maybe the next step in that progression, Jacob, is to blame God. Why is God doing yeah. this to me? Yeah. You know, and uh, that, that that's common. Uh, I've had people talk to to me after difficult times uh maybe difficult times with a loved one with a terminal illness or something and you've heard this before why would god allow her or him to go through that or why would god want that to happen and i think it's a misunderstanding of god's will i think that's exactly right uh we've made the point uh and i think it's worth repeating you know don't blame god for the adversities of life when god had things the way he wanted them it was garden of eden perfect if you want to blame somebody for all the bad things that exist in this world blame satan because it was through his efforts that sin was introduced into the world and all the terrible consequences that result from it so you know don't blame god god didn't want it this way it wasn't his original plan right sin sin changed things yeah you know this these two things are sort of coupled together the whole why me why does it happen to me why would god do this to me those things really embody or result of a pride, aren't they? I mean, why am I any better than anybody else? Yeah. These things happen around the world every day. Why not me? Yeah. I mean, well, I yeah, like if it happens to others, why should I be exempt? Why are you any better? Yeah. Uh, in, in the chat room, uh, before we go to a break here, Jacob, uh, Kevin mentions, uh, he says, I'm ashamed to think that my recent adversity was that we lost the use of one of our cars due to major repair work. Mm-hmm. Three cars for four drivers for a couple of months. Although I think this is pretty common for many of us to think this way. In other words, he's saying they they typically have four cars. Every driver in the family has their own car. Yeah. And they had to share for a couple of months, and that was adversity. He says, I'm ashamed of my feelings that this was a trial at all. <laughs> yeah. But, but we get that way, don't we? Know, yeah. Again, linking that to what we were talking about earlier, we, we live in such a time of prosperity that even the slightest inconvenience to us we think is a great hardship. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, in comparison to most people who live in the world, that's not a trial at all, as Kevin said. Our perspective is totally skewed. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Appreciate those thoughts, Kevin. Let's take a break and go to the top of the hour when we get back. We'll continue talking about adversity, some spiritual dangers associated with it, and we need your help on the last question for tonight. How do you deal with adversity? What's the What's the Bible say? Is the way we should. Chances are, deal with adversity. we'll all have adversity coming down the pike at some time if we're not experiencing it right now. How we're going to deal with it? How we're going to be prepared so that we deal with it according to God's will? We'll take those comments on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're glad you thought of joining it tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every week for the virtual Bible study. We will also remind you, if you have a topic suggestion for a future edition of the virtual Bible study, we'd like to hear from you on that. We could use some help on some topics from time to time, and so if you'll send those in, maybe just send in a question, and we'll put it in our, our stack, and we may either devote a whole program to it, or we'll put it in a mix for an open foreign-style program. You know, one of the things that, that we're dealing with now after six-plus years in the virtual Bible study is that we may think, well, that topic's already been covered. Yeah. But if, if you see it as a, 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 a topic that needs to be dealt with, we can certainly go back and deal with that again. You know, we don't we don't want to we don't want to exclude things that need to be taught on just on the basis of well, sometime you know five or six years ago we talked about that already. Those may be things that need to be addressed again. Yeah, of course. Tonight we had a program planned that uh, you we decided uh, we had talked about it too much, so we yeah. put it on hold. Uh, initially, we thought we might do something on parenting tonight. I got looking at our archives and it looked like we'd had several lessons on parenting. But I got to tell you, that's an important topic in the world today. So we probably will deal with that those again. Pro- those programs were probably before I became a parent when I had all the answers. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to have the answers yeah. until you have your own kids yeah. in it, Jake. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we look on things differently now. All, all right. right, let's let's talk about it. We're still talking about it first. We talked uh, at the start of the program. We talked about process prosperity, the dangers of it, and how we should properly deal with our prosperity. We're talking about adversity now and some of the dangers of it. Jacob, one great danger of adversity before we talk about how we should properly handle adversity, one great danger of adversity is that it could cause people, it has caused people, and and we've known of people who quit serving the Lord because they were dealing with hard times. That would be absolutely the wrong reaction to adversity. Absolutely. In other words, really... And I, I, I actually think that it's going to do – dealing with real serious problems in your life is going to do one of two things. It's going to drive you away from God or it will drive you closer to God. And we need to have the wisdom to draw closer to God when we're in tough times. That is true. But how many times have you known people who their faith was destroyed because of difficult times? Yeah, exactly right. All right. All right, so let's talk about the proper way to deal with adversity. Uh Stephen says, Stephen's in Pennsylvania, right? Uh, or Michigan now? Michigan, I think. Michigan, okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, essentially, we are to go the extra mile, turn the other cheek when dealing with adversity. Overall, this rule needs to be employed that if Satan is out to get us and we allow him to run over us uh, and deal, see, and we allow him to run over us and deal lovingly with whatever situation comes our way to the Lord, it will backfire on Satan. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I got that sentence. Uh, uh, but he says, "Why would Satan leave us if we endure temptations? Because if we endure, we become stronger. Satan wants to prevent us from becoming stronger in our faith, and will do anything to thwart us, which may mean leaving us alone if all these plans do not work." So basically, I think if I was going to summarize what he's saying there, he's saying Satan. Satan is the one who's trying to get an advantage over us by virtue of adversity. Don't let him succeed. Uh, resist him, draw closer to God, and and Satan. We have the promise that uh, if we will do that, Satan will flee from us. Let's see. 
Uh, I'm thinking James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So that's the idea, I think, of Stephen's comments. Sure. And uh, I guess we just the summarize Stephen's comments is be on guard. Nobody's okay. going to come at you with the adversity. All right. And Chris from Georgia says, dealing with adversity, seek the things of God, making it a priority in your life. Trust with all of your heart. Bottom line, trust. God hasn't lied to, to us yet, and he never will. Matthew six twenty five to thirty four, First Peter five seven, Hebrews thirteen six. So yeah, that's true. So you know, and I, I think that's important to talk about trust because sometimes we can't see it. You know, uh, we can't see how this is all going to work out. Yeah. So if I can't, from where I'm sitting here in the middle of this hard time I'm dealing with, if I can't see the way out. Therefore, I'm obviously not going to be able to map it out myself. I can't see a way out of this. What do I do? I should trust God. Keep following God. God's way will work. And I just, even if I can't see it from here, I got to have the confidence to pursue it that way. If you way. can't see it, maybe I'll turn around, and look backwards, and look how God's helped you in the past. Okay, and he's never let you down in the past. Why do you think it's going to change in the future? Right. But when we're in the middle of the fire, sometimes we do uh, begin to doubt God. Exactly right. All right. What are some of the things that you're thinking along the lines of dealing with adversity, Jay? Well, I'd uh, I'd put a little uh, time into maybe some more time into Bible study. And uh, looking to God and uh, his promises in, in uh, his word. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And uh, perhaps no other time will we need more light or direction than when we're going through those difficult times. Well, you know, and, and in the Bible, as we study our Bible, we read the story of some people who dealt with some pretty serious mm-hmm. adversity. Sure. Uh, you know, you know, as many of you know who listen to the virtual Bible study, uh, the church here at College View encourages all the members mm-hmm. uh, to read through the Bible every year. And for, for those who are doing it right now, we're reading in Jeremiah. Uh, here's a great servant of God, man. He suffered for it. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. kept faithfully doing what God wanted him to do. Yeah, he 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 offered some challenges to God there too, didn't he, as well? He, he couldn't figure out why he had it tough and the others had it so hard. But I mean, he, I mean he, he had it so he, good. But, but he he never quit doing what he was supposed right. to do. So, uh, you know, there, there's, some great, there's some great stories of people who had adversity uh, in the Bible, and you can learn from their example. So Bible study would be a good thing. Prayer is always a good thing. Yeah. Philippians 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. James 5, verse 13, if, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Right there. Afflicted. Oh, adversity. Adversity, yeah. you got adversity. What do you do? What's, right. what's your reaction to adversity? Yeah. Pray. That'll pray be our, maybe perhaps our first reaction. Take it to God. All right. Uh, could we uh, could we gain strength from any others? Yeah, uh, those of us who are in the Lord's Church have a fantastic advantage over people of the world, and that we have true loving brothers and sisters who are there for us to help us. And if uh, you know, one of the one of the problems is that people who are dealing with hard times sort of retract, draw it back from others. Which is absolutely again the wrong reaction. To draw away from God is wrong. To draw away from your brethren is wrong. Draw closer to them. I mean, you don't. You never need them more than in, in a time of adversity, and that's part of God's plan for the church that we'll be there for each other to help in, in such times of need. Let that happen. Don't become a hermit. Okay. Uh, you know, perhaps one thing we need to do is uh, spend some time counting our blessings because even though we may have some very difficult times at at present on, at hand. Chances are we have more blessings we can count even at those times as well. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen: Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He loads us up with, with benefits. We should count our blessings. Because as you said, even in times of adversity, we've got plenty. So don't focus on the negative and what you're saying is focus on what God is doing for you. Yeah. All right. In the chat room, David says, Paul, David, and Joseph are great examples. We were saying, you know, the Bible's full of examples yeah. of people who dealt with adversity. Yeah. Uh, I especially like the story of Joseph. I mean, here's a guy who he was trying to do the right thing, and, and he was getting knocked down constantly. He was constantly being mistreated. Wrong things were happening. Jeff is running our board. Jeff pops up in the chat room and says, Job, absolutely Job. So plenty of Bible examples of people who dealt with adversity uh, and and we could learn from them. So Bible, we said Bible study. Study those cases. Study those life stories. Okay. I thought Jeff was looking for a job. 
No, he's talking about Joe. Oh, Joe. Yeah, okay. he's talking about Joe. All right. Uh, you know, um, maybe some of our counting our blessings ought to be uh, considering what others have gone through, as you have said. Uh, and uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about some people who had it very rough and very difficult. Look at uh, Hebrews 11, verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Who, were, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might gain, uh, might rise again to be- a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. These were, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering over deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, uh, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what, what was promised. Uh, I think you got it rough. So there's a list of people there who had it tough. Hebrews 11 is always a worthy study. And and one more suggestion, how to deal with adversity. Stay focused on heaven. This world is not the end of all things. And you may have it rough, but it's not forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in the book of Revelation, the book was written to Christians who were suffering intense persecution because they were Christians. And the message of the book of Revelation is, hang in there, don't give up, keep serving God. God will make things right. He knows what you're dealing with. This is not going to last forever. Uh, Hebrews 2, verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful to death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Notice, he, I don't know anybody who thinks that was a literal ten days, but the yeah. idea is it's not forever. It's not going to last long. Not, this, this time of trouble won't last forever. Yeah. Be faithful and receive the crown of life. That's what we all got to keep our eye on. Yes, absolutely. Um so many times we get uh, focused on our troubles and our adversities and we fail to realize the big picture, I guess. Yeah. David, or, uh, Kevin in the chat room says, prayer is the best answer to our adversity, as we've been saying. How else can we get into a state of mind that will allow us to rejoice in what we do have? So uh, Kevin agrees that prayer is an important thing. All right. So we've, we've dealt with both sides of the coin, Jacob. Uh, prosperity and adversity. seems that we probably have the greater danger from prosperity, but all of us have the potential to fall into some hard times. Not necessarily financial hard times, although it might be financial hard times. But we have the potential that something could go seriously wrong and we start we have something happen in our lives that is completely devastating to us. How would We, we need to be prepared in advance. I think that might be something worth uh, uh, yep. commenting about. In our time of prosperity... We should prepare ourselves for a time of adversity if it comes. And so that it won't just knock us off our feet. And that'll help us keep our perspective in the right place in those times of uh, prosperity. Yeah. If we'll, we'll keep everything in check and make sure we uh, allow ourselves to stay focused on God in the good times and in the bad. Exactly right. All right. Jacob, we might mention, we just got a minute here or so before the program ends. Might get something on people's calendars. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, if, you, if you're within a driving distance of columbia tennessee our gospel meeting our fall gospel meeting is coming up uh, and it's uh november 6th through 11th 6th through 11th we're gonna have different gospel preachers from the middle tennessee area who'll be speaking at each service uh we might mention that on thursday night uh donnie raider will be the speaker at our okay. services and donnie's going to join us on the virtual bible study that'll be november the 10th november the 10th we're about a month away yeah all right if you are able to attend maybe you maybe you come from a, a distance we'd welcome you to come and uh attend uh, november 6th through, through the, the 11th. 11th all right and every night through the week at 7 p.m and on thursday night we'll have the virtual bible study right after the services close at eight o'clock all right that's always a good time well we've had a good discussion dad thank you for <laughs> Thanks, the time and Jeff, jeff's done a great job behind the board don't appreciate jeff for filling in for us tonight and uh, running the controls and we appreciate you for being a part of the program as well. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We encourage you to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.